for your awards consideration, Max presents the Emmy Award-winning HBO original series, Succession. As a power struggle ensues, the Roy family weighs up a future where their cultural and political weight is severely curtailed. Don't miss the series IndieWire calls the end-all, be-all of TV. Emmy eligible for outstanding drama series and all other categories. Succession is streaming now on Max. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. With improv, it's about trusting the emotions that are happening in you and hopefully being so present. Like, a lot of times it is riding a wave, and I think I touched on it earlier because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I like that danger. Like, improv is my high. That's how I get high. Is like the danger of not knowing what's going to happen. And it's like there's a real thrill. Welcome to another episode of In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host. Backstage senior editor, Vinny Mancuso, and joining us today is the wonderful, the truly hilarious, Jessica Williams. Now, a bit of table setting before we begin. When we recorded this conversation, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, SAG-AFTRA, had just sent out a vote to authorize a strike should negotiations with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers not go as planned. So when this episode drops on uh, June 22nd, who knows where the entertainment industry will be? Uh, we certainly didn't know whether a strike will be on the horizon or not. But I do know that Jessica had some very timely, very intelligent thoughts on getting actors and all artists, really, the pay and working conditions they so deserve. But that's not all we talked about, uh, because Jessica also happens to be in one of the best TV shows of the past. Um, I don't even know how long. It's just truly wonderful, shrinking. The story of therapists who are also going through it in their personal lives as well. Uh, it's from the Ted Lasso team. It also stars Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford. And to say Jessica is a scene stealer is almost a disservice to how truly dynamic she is in this show. Uh, and she really has some wonderful things to say about uh, not only the show itself, but just her approach to acting overall and improv and also how all of that affects her as a person. It's really, really fascinating. It's really, really insightful. Let's get right into it. Here is Jessica Williams. Jessica, how's it going? It's so nice to meet you. It's good. Uh, nice to meet you, Vinny. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us. Uh, I know this is a uh, very interesting time in Hollywood. Uh, not to not to date this this podcast too not much, great. but uh, not it's great. But I great I, right uh, I was going to say, as you know, we're backstage, so we will 
always be on the actor's side. Uh, we always want the the best for for the actors, whatever that would mean in this situation. Right. But uh, thank you. Yeah, of course. It's uh, we're keeping a close eye on it because it, it yeah it, definitely you know, it, it yeah. affects the uh, the working actor. It affects the aspiring actor. It affects everyone. So we uh, the writer and the director like it's all tied together in this huge. We're we're really we really all have a very close relationship. You know, okay. it's everyone's affected. It's it's wild. Absolutely. I mean, hopefully, you know, by the time this episode comes out, we can cut this out because it's resolved yeah. and it's and everything's good. But if good. it's not, if it's not, I stand with the DGA, SAG after sports DGA, vote yes for a strike authorization for SAG. Doesn't mean we'll strike. It's just an authorization. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. Um, yeah, but it is a very interesting time and that is where we are now. But I am also very interested in all the ways that got you here. Uh, to this place, uh, to shrinking, which is incredible, by the way, um, the you. journey that led you here. Uh, so I do want to start at the beginning and ask if you have any sort of, you know, acting origin story, you know, a performance you saw <laughs> or something you saw that where you, you know, it really just honed in for you. Like, wow, that's that's it. That's that's what I want to do. Yeah, I, I used to uh, spend a lot of time with my grandmother. Um, she was my best friend when I was a kid. Not a lot of I read a lot of books and I liked this like 57 year old black lady was my grandma and she was like my favorite person and she would watch me a lot like every weekend and um she was diabetic and she a lot of times she would stay in bed but one of the big things she did was watch tv she watched movies and so i would sit and just watch tv and movies with her like all the time um she would let me stay up i could eat whatever i wanted there was like a lot of benefits to staying at grandma's house but a lot of what she watched was comedies um, so she watched a lot of like Simpsons, South Park, Space Goes Coast to Coast, like Adult Swim. She'd watch The Critic. She'd watch um, Saturday Night Live, Mad TV. And then she watched like her mystery genre stuff. So she watched like like Murder, She Wrote, uh, Matlock, Perry Mason, just all sorts of stuff. Like she was just like a TV nut. And so I knew at a young age that that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to do something on TV because it was a very valid medium and it was like a big point of our relationship. Um, and I loved our relationship. So uh, I knew early on that that's what I wanted to do. And then I was really drawn to Saturday Night Live and Mad TV. So I watched like Alex Borstein on Mad TV. I'd watch Sherry O'Terry, SNL ladies, Anna Gasteyer, Maya Rudolph, who I love and I'm obsessed with. Um, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, like there was a lot. Molly Shannon, there was a lot of really, really like strong women that I liked comedically that I really looked up to. It was really into Whoopi Goldberg. I remember I got her back to Broadway DVD back when like grocery stores would have DVD yeah. pins. And so I remember picking that up and just kind of like seeing how she straddled that line between comedy and, and drama in such a gorgeous organic way that to me really spoke to, you know, being a human being and also it was in that shrinking world. And, and I really loved it. I also grew up watching Apatow movies I'm 33, so I grew up kind of watching like all that stuff and like freaks and geeks and all that stuff. So I think like that and like super bad really formed my informed my taste and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I just kind of watched anything and everything, and I I just kind of knew I would do like talent shows and stuff in elementary school, but mostly dancing. Like I want to do that, and then I also wanted to be Left Eye from TLC or Aaliyah. Like I wanted to do like music. Um, so you had a lot of options. There, there was, I wanted uh, to perform. I just, I'm a yeah, Leo and yeah. Leo Moon, Aries Rising, and that's my origin story. I love that. Um, and so, yeah. I love that your origin story is, you know, just everything. It was just, a, I it was just, just liked it all. 
Yeah, but I, 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 I love that you, you, know, you mentioned the, the, the formative experience of like taking something life changing out of one of those bins, you know, like not even not even knowing what it's going to be like, but I like the way it's wrapped. I like the cover. I like, you know, I'm going to come home. And it's something that you said sort of changes your life in totally. the way you think. That's something that's sort of, I don't know, not missing, but it's it's, it's kind of hard to have that experience of sitting in front it's of a physically TV. Physically grabbing something. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It is something, I guess I never thought of it that way where it's like, oh, these days are just, these days, <laughs> these days they're just clicking and clacking on their exactly. TV jacks. Um, Which isn't that but, different, uh, but. <laughs> you know, you could fall, you could fall in love clicking and clacking, but there was something very funny and nostalgic about a DVD bin in a grocery store. Absolutely. Do, do you do, remember those? I do. I, I, yeah. I feel like what I remember is like walking past, past the like FYE or the, the Sam Goody. And it was just like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's just like it. the possibility of so much yes. physical media and like, mm -hmm. you know, like Blockbuster, Hollywood video. Oh, my, God, yeah. like, oh my gosh. Fun that's coast. so cozy. That's just such a cozy. I know. Thing. And it's such a weird thing to be like nostalgic for. It's like, not like, like the, not even like, like, it's such a strange thing to be nostalgic for. Like, not even the movies themselves, just like yeah. going, going to Blockbuster and like looking it's at It's always covers. like that. I think it's always like that, where we're always like the next generation is nostalgic for this other thing. Because even yeah. back then, they were like, you guys go to Blockbuster and you pick <laughs> these out. We used to use, I don't know, projectors. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it's always something that people are like mm. nostalgic about. Absolutely. I mean, we'll see what's, you know, what the next version next is, whatever is. that is. Hopefully it's a, a, a bit less, you know, there's still some nice humanity in it. That. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, do you remember the the transition into, you know, trying it? Like, I, I feel like when, when you're absorbing all these things, you know, there's just a desire to perform. There's there's knowing that you want to perform. Do you, do you know, have any point where it became a, a goal or like a, a, yeah. a something that you were sort of setting yourself in motion for? Yeah, I did it as a kid. Like my parents told me, I, I grew up in LA. I grew up in, well, more specifically, I grew up in a place called Harbor City, Torrance, Lomita area. So I grew up in the South Bay, baby. But it was really easy for me to, I had more access because my parents were like, get good grades and be nice to people. And that's fine, you know, be responsible. So I remember doing like kids acting workshops and stuff like that, like scams where you know, they would take your money and make you get all the headshots and everything at the same time and do the acting class and doing like a program. Bless my parents. We did that a couple of times. So yeah, I, I did it. I did it all. I would do acting classes a lot. And I was just talking to people and like some other actors on the picket line for like SAG-AFTRA Solidarity Walks. And we were talking about actually how tough acting classes are and how traumatizing they can be and how really to be an acting coach like a lot of people can do a lot of damage as an acting coach and how we all had these ridiculous, crazy, traumatizing experiences with acting coaches throughout our whole lives that were just awful. Like, you know what I mean? And and as a kid and as a teenager and even as like somebody in my early 20s wasn't really protected the way that I I should have been, you know, just even from someone being critical about you. And back then it's like most acting coaches are white. So you know, white men. So what do they know about like teaching a young black woman how to act? You know what I mean? Like a lot of them actually don't and didn't. Mm -hmm. And we're be more biased actually to the white actors in their class. And you had, you just have no idea. Cause you're like, Oh, it's like the oddies, you know, like I didn't, I didn't have any idea, but we were all just literally remembering 
our acting classes that we had at formative years. And so I've been thinking about that a lot lately to just kind of work through with my therapist. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a very, I feel like someone who's looking to get into acting and want and doesn't quite know, you know, what it is yet. That's a very malleable place to be. So it's a very... Oh my gosh, you're so vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. It's like, who is the acting coach, you know? Yeah. And I think there's like, definitely got to be something soon where we all just kind of talk about the acting coach industry and how a lot of people can be taken advantage of, unfortunately. And also like, a lot of times they would just try and like strip away your performance to make you this kind of generic person. Mm-hmm. And I've only been, I've only booked like The Daily Show or been six, like my only success. I'm not saying I'm super successful, but I'm grateful with like two dope queens and, and, and that stuff is just versions of myself. Like that's just from your originality. And so I worry sometimes with the way acting classes have affected us that they're kind of stripping away originality sometimes. Yeah, it's. It's interesting because, you know, an acting coach and acting class can be beneficial, but it's almost like absolutely if if acting, if there was like a formula that could be taught, you know, if it was like a science class that you could just teach people the equations, more people would do it. So it's almost like I've had great acting coaches, too. Like, I don't want to make it seem like like I love like I've learned so much from acting classes. Like, I don't want to say that at all. However, I will say I don't know if it's like a very regulated profession and also Mm -hmm. like. I don't know if the acting coaches are actually doing like the therapy work that they should be doing, working with people's mental health and vulnerabilities. And like, you know what I mean? Like, I just like there's a lot of drama in acting classes. Yeah. And I think that's unfortunately a, a relatively new thing is like paying closer attention to the that's the, right. The overlap between, you know, mental health and acting and, you know, the the taking care of people and 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 and, and that shouldn't be a relatively new thing, but it's there's a brighter spotlight on that. It people. is. I mean, we don't talk about well, acting and this is like the stuff I wanna work on. Like I'm trying to get more involved in SAG AFTRA and our union and stuff, especially mm-hmm. like with everything that's been going on. We don't talk about the mental health of actors and we have this job where, you know, every day we go out an audition or we self tape and we are asking for something and maybe they'll pass on you for whatever reason, but you're getting these constant no's, which as opposed to somebody else in a different field, maybe they're not getting those direct no's as much. Sometimes you don't get it because you're tall. Sometimes you don't get it because of your race. Sometimes you don't get it because of your gender, like, you know, and, and sometimes they'll tell you why. And so that's really hard. And then also the only way you're going to be a good actor is if you have access to your emotions and you're living like Mm-hmm. Like you're, you have to crackle inside and, and have a real easy access to, you know, how you feel about things. So that's just in and of itself, like a mental health uh, issue. And like we don't process actually there is a version of our job, even though we get to do this gorgeous, gorgeous job of make believe. That's so fun. There is this part of it that's like, oh, also we're doing something that it, for our, it literally involves our mental health like every day. So I would like to figure out more resources for actors to work through that and actually acknowledge that what we're doing is quite strange and very vulnerable. Which is, you know, it's it, it's still a beautiful thing. Like it's, 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 it, it's, it's, oh my God, it's like flying. Like it's like, especially with shrinking too, like it, mm-hmm. it's my dream job because I feel like I'm flying. Like when I'm acting and doing good scene and I'm, and I feel like I'm in my, bad quote unquote and I feel like I get to just it feels like flying it's I feel very comfortable when I'm acting 
on a, a really good job. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm so lucky. Like, this is why I do this. But there's so many barriers to get to mm-hmm. this. The, there's so many barriers to get to that. And I'm a very lucky anomaly. And I think a majority, a huge majority of actors have a lot of barriers to get there and they and they don't get there. Mm-hmm. And so there has to be something done about the majority and like making sure mentally we're we're sound because but yes, you're right. Acting slaps. It rules. Yeah, that's I mean, it's the weird gray area. It's it's, you know, on one hand, could you imagine a better job? But on the other hand, it is just the job is manipulating your emotions. The job is and that takes a toll no on to you. Yeah, and people just say like no to you like lots of times. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's like the lots evo- and lots and lots of times. The evolution of the no, which is the self tape, which is a whole new like new. Oh yeah, that's a form whole new of thing. no. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's mm-hmm. the ever evolving ways that people can say no to you as an actor. Yeah, um, there's loads. But I'm curious, you know, you mentioned feeling very comfortable acting. Was that always there, or is no, that, did, no. was was there a point that you remember where you're like, oh, I I'm. I'm strapped in now. Like I feel safer than I, it's the, it's... I am, I will say I am not uh, a good auditioner. I have acting friends that are so good at auditioning. I think that's a different skill set. Like that is like, you're a beast if you're really good at auditioning. Like it is a whole ass job. And I'm, I'm still not a great auditioner. I get real, I have a lot of anxiety and I have OCD and I get really in my head about it. And so a lot of times it's really nice when I get like an offer, like with shrinking where they're like, okay, we like her other stuff. We're just going to let her like come on and do this job. So no, I don't feel comfortable until I've also been like fired from job before. Like, you know, like, no, I'm never comfortable until I see it on camera. Like there's a part of me that has so much fun doing shrinking, but you never know if they're going to cut you out entirely. Like until you see it on on film but they yeah. were never like they never indicated at all that, that they were unhappy with <laughs> there it there was no threat that's just that... in my head <laughs> yeah yeah that just comes from being an actor for like 15 years like just being like you never know you never know you never know <laughs> yeah. they could actually all not like you and they're just saying they like this you. was this was a very long con and they, they, the rug yeah. Really pulled out yeah. Any, <laughs> yeah. Second yeah they're now. doing this really elaborate like really messed up mental yeah. game and they really got me they, they got <laughs> really me yep, exactly. you got me uh, so I am. I, I do want to. I do want to talk about shrinking, of course, because it's 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 such a unique thing. It is hard to describe to people because you, if you if you give them the plot, you know, you give them the, the just the synopsis. They're like, that sounds like a bummer. But it's such an I understand yeah. life affirming show. It's funny. It's so I'm curious. What's the pitch to you as someone you know who's going to be in the show? You know it was more of a vibe talk. Like they had the first couple episodes written only, and it was me and. Uh, Bill Lawrence and and Neil and our head writer and Jason and um, and then I met with with Brett Goldstein after, um, but it was more of a vibe talk, especially with Gabby because Gabby the first few episodes she's not really in those, but they knew she would be in all the episodes after that, and so it was sort of like uh, this is kind of general vibe. It's about grief and but it is a comedy, and I love that you know as someone who you know has grieved and is always grieving. I actually found when I was the saddest, when I was grieving, that things were profoundly funny to me. They were deeply funny and very moving. So I was really interested in that. And I was really interested in, um, uh, I love Jason Siegel's work. And so it was sort of a, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah, I'll do it, you know. And uh, I loved Scrubs also. I think Scrubs is a really nice early predecessor for the show in that it's about these doctors and people die all the time on Scrubs. It doesn't always go well. 
but it's a very goofy, silly, fun show. And so I knew I was, you know, in good hands. I just kind of had to trust that Gabby would come together and that the show would come together. And um, a couple of days after I said, I'll, I do it. I found out Harrison Ford was going to play Paul. And that was like, I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. <laughs> um, but I, I had no idea. It was one of those, you know, those moments when you book something or, you know, you, you get you, things start to line up and you just go, yes. Like, literally, <laughs> like, if you're just listening to this audio only, like I just did like a fist bump. Yeah, it, it was very um, joyous. Like I wish I, yeah, I, I, it was I just, wish. But it's like almost like whispering almost. We're like, yes, yeah, like a little bit of that. But I, I mean the Harrison Ford of it all just kind of blew me away and I knew I made the right choice, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's how I, that's how we got started. But they were like, you know, what excited me about it was they were like, we don't quite know Gabby, but we want this to be written to the actress that plays her. Like we want it written to her skill set. We know you come from a comedy background, you know, which is really nice and we want to enjoy that. And so we'll allow you to improvise on set. Um, a lot of the time and they stuck to that and it was a dream job for me. Like it was, it was great. But what I found was like all of the previous coaching that I had kind of came together with all the comedy that I did with The Daily Show. And I used to do this thing called Comedy Sports. And I did Upright Citizens Brigade and it came together with, you know, Tudor Queens, this podcast I did for a while. And then I did Fantastic Beasts. So I learned about acting within the confines of a script and like in... I learned about acting in a period piece in costume. So I, I grew as an actor in that way and acting on a set with people that are like very serious English actors almost. Um, so I learned about that. And then I also learned about like, I learned how to work with big movie stars on Fantastic Beasts, I think. And then add a little bit of Love Life season two, which I felt like it really came together. And then everything that I had learned and everything I had watched when I was a kid and weird stuff all came together in this project to create Gabby. Like it was like a part of it was throwing my acting class a little out the window, but I'd been doing it for so long that it was ingrained in me and just trusting myself, which was really nice. It was a really rewarding job. For your awards consideration, Max presents The Last of Us, the HBO original series starring Pedro Pascal as Joel, a hardened survivor hired to smuggle Ellie, a 14 year old girl out of an oppressive quarantine zone. What starts as a small job soon becomes a brutal and heartbreaking journey as they both must depend on each other for survival. Don't miss the critically acclaimed series Empire Calls a Masterpiece, Emmy eligible for Outstanding Drama Series and all other categories. The Last of Us is now streaming on Max. People who want to be an actor, people who want to be an entertainer, who want to perform, they have the idea of what a, a it'll be like when they get the dream job, when they get the, you know, the thing, things will all come together. So I'm curious, can you describe like the, the moment where things come together like that? You know, like what, what is, the, what is, what is that day like? How does that, how, how does that, how are you receiving that information where someone says, we want you to be in this, this show and Harrison Ford's going to be in and it's going to be all of your skill set. It's all coming together. Yeah. I think it's just like um, any other day where you're at work because my job is to focus on my scene partner and also like be as present as possible. And so for me, my goal in shrinking was to just be as present as possible and really listen to my partner. So that's what's that's why I like acting so much is because I get to go away for a while and and discover really new things with each take. And so 
I'm not even thinking about, oh, I'm doing a good job right now. Mm-hmm. There's some, there's a subtle confidence that comes with um, just listening on camera. It's like undeniable. But I think I had, I had to, and and some days I I would like listen better than others. So it wasn't like every day was like a cakewalk. It was like some days I would have like. I'd be on my period and I'd know it and I'd be, you know, cramping and not in a good mood, but I'd still have to act or, you know, like I was tired that day or I, you know, they changed the lines and I had to figure it out. So it wasn't like I felt like um, I'm doing it now. Like it was just more so like I said from from when from when I start to when I rap, I'm just going to listen and try and be as present as possible. And that was my only job. And so um, that's what it just felt like. It felt like when I was actually working, I could fall into the scene because I was able to get in the habit of just being in the scene and not needing to be anywhere else. So no, mm-hmm. nothing else mattered. Mm-hmm. I probably like missed emails and texts from friends and stuff. That's probably the biggest thing. You just kind of are a little more flaky in your social life because you're like understandable focusing. Yeah, you're like really just kind of in it. And it was fun because I wouldn't know like if Harrison does a take and he looks at me a certain way, I'm going to react to it a certain way. And on this job in particular, I was able to do that. Like it was such an elastic kind of show that I could with with Bill Lawrence and Jason and, and Brett in charge. It was there was room for me to just react to every little thing that was on screen. And so, um, yeah, it was like I would just forget my phone, I think, if when I when I was when I was present in a scene. Love that the Harrison Ford of it all is very interesting to me because um, in in my profession he has a, has a reputation for uh, not being an easy person to talk to, but just in a um, oh yeah, he doesn't just, like interviews. Just doesn't yeah. like doing interviews. So it's like I, like I, it I love all. talking to his coworkers because it's like, well, he'll never talk to me like that. <laughs> he, doesn't mm-hmm. want, he doesn't want to talk really to me. Um, but it's, but I, I, as a scene partner, you know, that's that's you're working with someone who's you know seen it all, um, and you're reacting to to him. So I, I'm curious. Um, yeah, he he does really care about acting. Like, I don't think I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it's like to be over 80 and, you know, having done interviews and also be, oh, some, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I, I wouldn't want to do interviews. For no, no. And like, I'm like 33. And like now yeah. sometimes I look at teenagers and I'm like, oh, you want to go out and do that? <laughs> like some friends in my 20s, I'm like, oh, you want to go to like Zebulon right now? I'm tired. <laughs> like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to do any of that shit. Um, so I get it. Um, and it's like anybody that I know that's like over 55, like, are you freaking kidding me? You think you can tell anybody over 60 that they're going to do this thing and they're not going to have some shit to say about it. Like they're not going to listen to you. Yeah. Like, I just want to do interviews. I get that. I, I, no, like, no hard feelings, uh, whatsoever. Uh, I yeah, don't. no. I, and that's like <laughs> literally like the movie star. He's like the, he's like one of the last few like box office movie stars. So I, I don't know if we could fathom the amount of parties he's no. he's doing shit that he's had to do as an actor. That being no, said, he is a very, very giving actor and he does care about acting. So, you know, I always felt like I had a really great scene partner and I always felt like he really cared. And so, you know, he definitely wasn't like that at all because he oh, liked it. And uh, it was great because a little bit of that, you know, I watched a lot of his interviews to prepare for him being my boss on the show. And it's there's something really nice about him having that trait and being notorious for it because it ties a lot into Paul too. And mm-hmm. I think that really shaded Paul and Gabby's relationship. And I think it really shades Paul and Jimmy's relationship too. And how I love the kitchen scenes because if you can catch it, sometimes it's just 
Gabby and Jimmy vying for the affection of Paul. Like they both in their own ways want to be loved by him. And uh, I think, you know, that's like what a lot of people I think that do interviews are like, I just, I want to interview, but interview you. And I also want to be loved by you, Harrison, please. You know, like yeah, you always you, wanna... is the, that's yeah, the, yeah, that's the worst I thing you can do. I relate to that. I yeah, want her to like me. You want uh, to, please, I want, I want your approval, please. Yeah, but... definitely. I think we all kind of have that. And so, but that really worked for, for my character because he's like her loose mentor. Absolutely. So I, yeah. I, I read you say something about, I think it was either Vanity Fair or something like that. You were describing um, your improv, the, the way that you do improv. I think you described it as uh, riding the wave. Uh, you're not oh, sure yeah. what's going to come out of you. I'm, I'm very curious about that, you know, because mm -hmm. improv is one of those um, elusive concepts for a lot of people where it's like, it's sort of unattainable for, for to, to learn for a lot of people. So I'm curious what you mean by that in terms of riding the wave and how you've learned to turn it into a skill and something that you that, that you can actively use as an actor. Yeah, I think I've been doing improv in one way or another since I was like, for a while, for like a mm -hmm. while. Since I was like 14, I auditioned for my school's improv team and got on. So even then I was just doing like short form comedy and short form, ga short form games, which is actually really nice because short form, ga short form improv is like great in a sense. There's like a couple of schools of improvisation and there's classes available for everything. It's more like whose line is it anyway? But that's one too, because it just keeps your brain really elastic. And there's like a skill set there. I think there was like definitely coming up like Upright Citizens Brigade and doing like improv in that way is really cool. And like, it's like a really cool sort of like punk, like DIY kind of feeling. And then there's like this more like, there's like the second city comedy sports of it all that's sort of more so like a little bit old school and then almost like fast food almost sometimes people can think of short form improv like that so there's like this kind of like there's like a little bit of snobbing and like it's like a whole yeah. thing but i did both and you know it's about like you're you're just gonna fail like you're gonna say really embarrassing stuff like i said embarrassing things and acting is actually very embarrassing like the act of acting is just, it's just embarrassing. Like you're going to make yourself feel something on camera and cry. You're going to maybe forget a line. You're going to maybe kiss this person on screen. Like that does, that's embarrassing. You maybe, you know, you're going to wear like a, a boob cap basically and simulate that you're new. Like, it's like, you're very vulnerable, but with improv, it's about trusting the emotions that are happening in you and hopefully being so present. Like, a lot of times it is riding a wave. And I think I touched on it earlier because you just don't know what's going to happen. And I like that danger. Like, I'm like, improv is my high. That's how I get high is like the danger of not knowing what's going to happen. And it's like, there's a real thrill. There's a thrill of, I think the best way to do it is to know the lines, know the lines, learn it the night before or however your process is. If you need to learn it on the morning, don't overwork it, but just know like, how you, what emotion you feel in the scene and be very specific. And then just kind of listen to your partner on camera and like, it'll just, it's like effortless. You're like, oh, right. And then also be on the right set because a lot of directors will lose your shit if you just start improvising. Like it's actually a faux pas. It's just yeah. do the right, do the right show. But it's about like, I don't know, just, just trusting that, you know, you know how you respond to things and just kind of just being focused on your scene partner. You, you mentioned that you've been you've been doing improv for for a long time, and then there yeah. is there is so much trust of yourself involved. You do you have to you have to. I'm I'm curious if you 
if that level of trust has always been at the level it is now, or if you had to sort of remind yourself that you'll eventually get there, or, or, or is that something you had to sort of develop over time? I think, I think like, heck, you know, like, I don't even, I don't think right now, so I'm so out of practice, I could get on a stage and do an improv show at this time, but I could definitely do a film scene and I can improv, improvise within the confines of the scene. Like, I can do that. Especially that's the other part is make sure it's in the world and the scene that the writers created so that they're like, they don't think you're like a dick just rewriting the whole thing. But um, no, no, it just depends on the day. And I think confidence is like a journey and not a destination. Like sometimes you wake up and you feel really confident, like you can take on the world. And then some days you wake up and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't feel like working today, you know. But I find that I usually wake up when I realize that in every scene I want something, I want a really organic reaction. And so it kind of wakes me up and tunes me into the scene of like, the danger of not knowing what's going to happen and that I'm going to react that way or the danger like I got to work with Jason Siegel a lot and he's really he's a really good improviser and I got to see him do a lot of tricks and do a lot of moves up close and personal um and that was not only that but then I also got to do that with him a lot and uh it's also good to have a really good scene partner because sometimes you improvise and you just don't have the same comedic taste as the other person also like even after projects that I've done, I've done a few after shrinking, like it's just like, oh, like you still just have to not only like you, you're funny and trust that you're funny. You have to be with the right group of people and on the right show or job that thinks you're funny. And if you're not and you are funny, it's not don't change because then you're going to lose what makes you unique. You know, it's like, oh, great. Because then one day after this strike, I'm going to go back to work on shrinking and I get to be Gabby again and I get to like be like funny, you know, but there's still people that are just always going to tell you you're not funny. And like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it harkens back to exactly what you're saying about the, the sort of innate danger of any bad acting teacher. Like the, it's so dangerous to strip away what makes an actor original. It's so, it's so. Oh yeah. And a lot of times it's just like a straight white dude telling you that. So then now that we're all sort of questioning, like, you know, talking about identity and like, especially in acting and who we are, it's, it's, a, it's more important now than ever. It's always been important. But it's also like, what am I going to listen to this straight white dude for? Like, what? Like, sell? Yeah, different wavelengths, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he doesn't think I'm funny. Like, like what? <laughs> so what? <laughs> Absolutely. What does he know? I don't know. Yeah. My friends think I'm funny, so that's... <laughs> um, I love that. I'm I'm curious, you, you mentioned someday uh, you will go back to doing Shrinking Season 2, um, but you've also mentioned that, that you sort of found through improvisation and experimenting, you've sort of found Gabby throughout yeah. season one. So I'm curious what that's like now that you've gone through a season and there's a season two ahead and you're sort of in this in-between period. Like, are you still finding Gabby? Is it, do, you, do, you, do you feel like... I'm curious what it's going to be like to then go back to the show with a that much better That feels really... Idea. Yeah, it's nice to know her relationships with everybody. Like, now that we kind of have that figured out, like, you know, the, the show is relationships and that's like also the most important thing in the scene is the relationship. And so I know that now I know her relationship with um, Kristen Miller's character, Liz. I know her relationship like, you know, with Lukita, who's also amazing and plays Alice. Like I know those things now. And so I'm really excited to do it again. But I am scared because it's been a while in the back of my mind that I can't do it again. So I'm having this little voice like that I won't be able to tap into Gabby again or like the we won't be able to find that sweet spot of the lines or that I will never be able to improvise again. Like that, I think that comes with every job that I have where it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do it again. I don't know if I have it or if I lost it. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little worried. 
mm-hmm. and I'm working through it. And I don't think I'll, I don't think I'll be able to fully get rid of it until, you know, we're in it and I'm, I'm present between action and cut, you know, mm-hmm. like but I'm pretty nervous about it, to be honest with every, I, I'm sorry for bringing it up, but it, <laughs> why'd do. you do that? Why'd you do that? <laughs> I mean, it is, it is, it is that sort of, uh, you know, the, when you think about acting, you think about therapy, you know, like it's, it, you, you, you gotta sort of, even when you don't feel like doing it, you it's go immense. and you see what you get when you go and it's 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 something that i'm i'm, I'm glad that people are talking about more i'm something that mm-hmm. i'm glad that shrinking is 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 sort of broadcasting more and uh yeah it's just a really beautiful thing the show thank you yeah i definitely think we should talk about that more in general absolutely uh mm-hmm. before before we, we we wrap up here i i am curious how you found um if there's anything small you found that helps you get to work on the day when you don't feel like going is there and is there anything yeah that 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 gets you there i do like the lucid body technique in general like that one's really cool because um i really live in my body i try and do like a modified version of that so i'll just maybe meditate for five minutes and just like breathe a little tm is great too but just some modified version where you're just like breathing right and checking in feeling your heartbeat your feet on the floor uh stretching is always really good like if i get a good kind of stretch or little walk in before I act I feel like I can move in my body like sometimes I just have to like wake up the creaks in my bones like you just have to make sure I'm pl- I feel flexible and then in particular for Gabby I would sing like Disney songs on the way to work a lot of the time to just get in that really childlike playful world like I think Gabby is very playful and so that was probably the number one thing I think it comes through in her clothes it comes through in her clothes a lot, but in her relationships with everybody. So I would do, how do I get into that? Okay. I'm going to listen to Disney music. Okay. She's feeling sexy. How do I do that? Okay. I'm going to listen to like something that makes me feel sexy, like Juicy by Doja Cat. Like it's like, and I make playlists, like hacking my brain that can convince me to get to um, where I need to be by the time I get on set. And then also this is what I learned on Fantastic Beasts, like watching really seasoned actors work, like English actors work not being afraid to hold space for what I need. So like there was a scene I did with Jimmy and like being with Jason and she's talking to him about um, how she misses Tia too, his his wife who passed away. And that night, you know, I just needed to hold space for myself to be grieving. And so I didn't really talk. Like I was like separate before my takes. I would just go in the side room and everybody understood. Um, So I mean, it's such a great DP. Like Everybody understood and I was on a really good set and everybody held space. Now, if I was younger and in my 20s, I would be really nervous about holding space to get to where I needed to be to grieve. But nope, I held it and I wasn't, I like to like, I like to make people feel comfortable and warm in a space and I just didn't. I was like, okay, for this one, I hope everybody knows I love them, but I'm going to try and get here because my only job is to, you know, play the scene and I need to be here. But really holding space and like, holding space for what you need without being like a dick is 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 nice too absolutely that's really wonderful um jessica thank you so much again for thank you Vinny. i appreciate was, it yeah this was this was really wonderful and i i again shrinking is uh it's it's hard to describe but i i can't recommend it enough because it's 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 never just sad it's never just funny it's it's it feels like life which is uh that's great i wish, I wish more that's did what we want yeah awesome thank you um, so much yeah thank you so much
thanks as always to our brilliant producer Jamie Muffet and to the whole team at Backstage Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter at In the Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.